The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who captivating the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You and Me Both is a production of iHeartRadio. Hannah! Hannah Gadsby! <laughs> Hello, Hillary! Is that what I called you? Or no. is it Madam Secretary? No, no or- Hillary's... My name. Hilly, yeah. Hilly Billy. <laughs> Hilly Billy. Yeah, I will not call you that. <laughs> of course, now that you have it in your head, you'll never forget it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and nor will you. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I've been called a lot worse, as have you. So, <laughs> I'm Hillary Clinton, and this is You and Me Both. On today's episode, I'm talking to one of my favorite comedians, though in my mind, she's much more than a comedian. She's also a provocative thinker who challenges her audiences to do some serious thinking, too. Like many people, I first discovered Hannah Gatsby in 2018 when I saw her breakout Netflix comedy special, Nanette. That show was a huge success, earning Hannah an Emmy and a Peabody Award, which (laughs) came as a surprise to her, because as she puts it, Nanette is arguably the most deliberately miserable, unfunny hour of comedy ever made. 
If you haven't seen it yet, the special begins with Hannah's trademark dry humor, with self-deprecating jokes about her appearance and about the sexism and gender-based violence she experienced in her life, particularly growing up in Tasmania, the very conservative part of Australia where she lived. Then, and this is a spoiler, Hannah tells us she's quitting comedy because she no longer wants to be party to a form of entertainment where she introduces audiences to her trauma and then re-traumatizes herself by inviting us to laugh about it. As an example, she shares the story of coming out as gay to her mother. Because to her response to me coming out, when I first told her that I was a little bit lesbian, (laughs) baby steps, uh... Her response, her response was this. She's just going, oh, Hannah. Why did you have to tell me that? That's not something I need to know. I mean, what if I told you I was a murderer? It is pretty funny, but as she points out, it's also very painful. Luckily for us, Hannah did not quit comedy. Instead, she found a way of doing it that does not require her to inflict pain on herself or anyone else who's been victimized in the ways that she has. In 2020, Hannah released another Netflix special called Douglas which touches on a range of topics from the patriarchy to anti-vaxxers, her haters, her own diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, or ASD, which she received in 2015. And she's got a memoir coming out right now called 10 Steps to Nanette. Welcome, Hannah, to the show. I am so happy to be talking to you. But first, I got to ask you, I, I heard you broke your leg I did break my leg. I had a real doozy. I uh, I fell over walking in Iceland. Ooh. Yeah. Well, there's a lot I, of ice in Iceland. Yeah, that's true. They're not lying. <laughs> it's on the label. They're very nice. Nice um, healthcare system there. I had emergency surgery and they looked after me. Great. Have you done the physical therapy that you've got to do in order to get your strength back? Well, I've got to wait for it to heal. So okay. I've got another. Yeah, I've just had surgery. Can you just back off a bit? Like, I've got plates and screws in. Yeah. Well, I can I, I can move my foot. Yeah. I, I broke my elbow oh. about, oh, I don't remember, 2009, a long time ago. And you didn't do the exercises, did you? Oh, no, I did. I did because oh, I did. was I was scared out of my mind that if I didn't. But I have, like, plates and, you know, all that stuff. And I know, I mean, it oh. takes a while, but you got to do the exercises when they clear you to do it. So that's that's yeah, my that's my physical therapy advice for the day. Thank you. Uh. And this is not what I expected, <laughs> but I will take it. Well, I was so excited to talk with you because I have been a fan. I really appreciate how you literally have uh, approached not just your comedy, but I guess your life in a way that kind of shares it with the rest of us. And in 2018, it seemed to me from afar that your life was turned upside down because your stand-up special, Nanette, was released on Netflix, which is where I saw it. People around the world, like me, met you for the first time. And since then, you've put out another Netflix special called Douglas. You're, I guess, soon going to hit the road once your leg gets prepared and ready to uh, do your new show called Body of Work. You've also gotten married, another big life event. 
And uh, you've got a memoir coming out. Holy moly. I mean, you have been one busy person. How has your life changed and how, if you can, describe how you feel about all this? Because, I mean, 2018 was not that long ago and so much has happened since. Well, yeah, a lot happened in my life and then a lot happened globally Mm. that has nothing to do with me. So it's hard to get a measure on what has become my life when the whole world has been turned upside down. <laughs> well, that's true. But for that brief window where I was the centre of the universe, <laughs> it was a bit shocking, I won't lie, because before this Netflix special dropped, I would have I classed myself as a successful comedian. I was earning money. I was at living wage, which is not something I had before comedy, BC, as we like to say. <laughs> and uh, I was regularly touring Australia and the UK. So, you know, Americans would not have heard of me, but... That does not preclude my existence. <laughs> so the the Netflix specials just put me up into this model of success that was not something I was prepared for, um, mostly because you just look out there and you just don't see someone like me. And I say fair enough as well. Like I'm not everyone's cup of tea. You know, I know I'm atypical and uh, not uh, riddled with enthusiasm and I feel like that's what really gets you some success. <laughs> So I ran the analytics and I didn't think I'd be successful on on a global stage and so I just sat back and sat in my lane and did my work. Mm -hmm. And I felt very disorientating to be, you know what was the trickiest thing is famous people knowing who I was. Like it's one thing for a lot of, you know, people who uh, I would say are like me knowing who I was. I'm like, well, that's weird. But for for famous people to know who I am, I'm not the best person for that because I don't always know who people are. So I am just a faux pas waiting to happen. Well, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I uh, Hilly so Billy. Thrilled. I know who you are, Hilly, Hilly Billy. Billy, and we're so thrilled to have you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you grew up in a place that I haven't yet visited, but I've you know really been fascinated by for a very long time, called Tasmania. Uh, what do you know about Tasmania? Well, here's what, what I know. Give us a rundown. Give okay. us a rundown. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I know, and then and you can tell me how wrong I am. It's a big island, part of Australia, but off the coast of Australia. There are things called the Tasmanian Devils. It's somewhat sparsely populated. It is both agricultural and, I guess, you know, fishing and things like that. It's beautiful, but it's also stark, and it's somewhat isolating, and quite conservative. That's what I know about it. You did read my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's um, it's sort of like if you threw New Zealand into a gothic nightmare. Mm, um, okay. I love Tasmania. I am from there. I grew up there. It's all I knew for a very long time. But uh, the Tasmania that exists now is different to the one that I grew up in. And I think that's a really important point to make because it, like me, has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um and it's quite easy for a, a single person to mature and grow up, but it's actually quite difficult for a, a culture to mature and grow up in a short space of time. And what did that was the uh, the gay law reform uh, that took place in the 80s and 90s. It was fierce and it reached the global stage, of, I think, you know, we might have even made the New York Times once. Um, it was a really intense sort of conflation of my own identity and my Home's identity because it at that time it was it was fiercely homophobic and mm. proudly mm. so and it was like this is who we are and I was learning that that's who I was and so I was a debatable citizen in the most sort of really vulnerable time of my life and 
there's all sorts of terrible things to talk about in that story, but you could cut also to the positive headline that uh, Tasmania has some of the strongest human rights protections in, in Australia. And, you know, I can't claim the world. It's a big place. But I think we learnt as a, as a community that we didn't like being divided like that. Mm-hmm. We didn't like being painted as unaccepting and, you know, there's surely pockets still there, but as a, as a whole I feel safe going back home where I never did before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a long and dark history, but there is that at the end of it. Well, I really like the way you talk about it evolving because I, I know that, you know, in Nanette when you talk about your childhood and and how you first saw what you call your people when you watched the Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras and you saw people having a great time and partying and, you know, <laughs> you have a great line where you say, well, where do the quiet gays go? <laughs> I it mean, did look, it always... <laughs> I've never been to Mardi Gras. I just looks a bit much. I'm very proud, but well, I just have this image of you as as a young girl, young woman uh, in Tasmania, and like so many other LGBTQ kids, all of a sudden not feeling alone, even though it was just through a TV screen. It's one of those. As a student of history, this this galls me the most. Is each generation we have to prove that we exist, uh-huh, and. Uh-huh. I am a student of history. I know we've always existed. You just have to not have the the biases that blind you to that existence. Mm-hmm. And right now it's happening uh, to trans kids and genderqueer kids. And honestly, that's where I am on the ex- the spectrum. I'm genderqueer, but we didn't have the language when I was growing up. So the b- b- bonus of not having language is you don't have the vitriol on the other side of the language. And that's what we're going through now. I feel a real sense of urgency about what I can see happening now. I feel very also uh, um, helpless because what's happening to trans kids, particularly in the US, but also in Australia and the UK uh, is, and elsewhere we're sure, but it's now a hot topic. It's being, it's a plaything for people who want to motivate hatred in order to generate votes. And clicks. It's really toxic and it's become, you know, they're dividing families. They're, you know, even writing laws that parents and teachers who help <laughs> trans kids are performing some kind of child abuse. And it's just like we can't solve the riddle of gender, but we can be decent to our children, you know, doing untold damage to trans kids and also kids who aren't, you know, kids who are burgeoning transphobes. We are doing damage to them because, you know, we're teaching kids that it's okay to exclude. And really, if we're going to get through climate change, we need everyone. We're taking a quick break. Stay with us. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast. 
to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. 
My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I want to tell you a story about a terrible conversation I had uh, at the dog park once. This bloke just walks up to me. I mean, he had a dog. He wasn't just being creepy. He had context. And I want to tell you this. It's not pertinent to the story, but I want you to know his dog had shoes on. And his dog did not want to have shoes on. Because he's doing that, like... And it was a whippet situation, and they're shaky at the best of times. So we don't know why. Are they cold? Are they nervous? We don't know. But it was like just, it was a lot. Now, it's not important to the story, but it was a lot in my periphery. So I just want you to know. <laughs> Added stress. Now, this was my uh, friend's icebreaker. We'd never met. This was his icebreaker. He said, did you know it takes less muscles to smile than frown? Now, the men in the audience are sitting there going, oh, you've experienced an isolated incident. <laughs> and the women are sitting there going, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and non-binary folk are like, is that a hard day for you, is it? That's a clip from your Netflix special, Douglas. The other thing that you have talked about is you were diagnosed with autism a few years ago, and... You actually have said that the day you were diagnosed was a very good day. How would you explain that? Uh, uh, you know, the process of going from hunch to diagnosis was quite exhilarating because as I researched it, parts of myself just fell into place. And it's like, oh, oh, I make sense suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, coming to terms with my atypical thinking was even more profound than coming to terms with my sexuality because ultimately your sexuality is is not a large part of your day-to-day, whereas the way you think is pretty much always there. Mm-hmm. So learning that I was never going to get to the starting line of normal, I say that in air quotes, sort of gave me a bit of a breather. Like I'd been treading water my entire life just trying to work out what was important and ignoring what was actually important to me, which put a lot of stress on my central nervous system. But the flip side of that was after that relief came a lot of grief because it was almost so simple a click, this understanding that, oh, you think differently. And I can just deal with that. But I just also feel like in this conversation about uh, autism and neurodivergence, there's still a lot of shame around it um, because it's not always an easy existence. So are you choking to death, Hillary? No, I'm, 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 okay? not, I'm not choking to death. I'm trying not to cough through this incredibly moving description. Have I made you cry? Uh, description. <laughs> you, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, look. I mean, the body knows the score. You did. You've, uh, you, I've yeah. broken up. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, where was I? Where was I? Was I talking about anything interesting? Oh, yes. Grief. Because, yes. uh, you know, there's this shame that is being projected onto the names and the labels of ASD. and Because, you know, at the end is disorder. Like that is always the thing. Mm. But, you know, if you look at it more sort of holistically, how can you prove that there is a right way for our central nervous system to operate Mm -hmm. and what's, you know, what sparks up an individual's central nervous system? 
we don't have a grip on it. We're still, the science I is still very that. active. Mm-hmm. So as individuals, we don't get to solve that. All we get to do is do the best we can. And we have enough information now to know that not all kids are the same. Oh, alert. Let's make sure everybody hears that. <laughs> and it's not just the way we look. Like mm-hmm. It's just on a very fundamental level. Information in and information out is different. And for too long, particularly girls and uh, any other not boys, it's seen as character flaws and that compounds the shame and the distress of it because it's like a boy not talking, it's like, you know, he's a strong silent type having interesting thoughts whereas a girl, it becomes sulky, then it's just as simple a seed as that, and that snowballs. But I think the the beauty of a lot of people on the spectrum, there's a lot of trauma that we have to exist through Mm -hmm. because the world is not built for us and the world doesn't really accommodate our kind of thinking, which is is not uh, direct. But I'm surrounded by stories that prioritise neurotypical Mm -hmm. experiences Mm -hmm. of the world. So... I have a great understanding and appreciation for neurotypical experience, and it is typical for a reason. But I think it's time for neurotypical people to not pity neurodivergent or people. Fear. But, or fear. Or fear. Mm-hmm. But sort of try and learn the language. It's mm-hmm. about humanizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very, we're devastatingly simple people. <laughs> Just talk to us about what we're interested in and... You're ours forever. Like we're we're, we're puppy dogs. (laughs) Well, you you mentioned the word trauma, and you've gone through a lot in your life. And uh, now you've got a new book coming out, 10 Steps to Nanette. A new one. It's my only one. It's your only one. Your first. And also, I should just clear something up. Sorry to interrupt, Billy Mm -hmm. Billy. But (laughs) um, I do regret that every time I say it. But anyway. I can't speak for everyone on the spectrum. It is mm-hmm. a spectrum for a reason. Mm-hmm. So just yes, like my experience I is... totally get yes. that. And, okay. and and I do think it's important to emphasize that there is diversity on the spectrum, just like there is in every other aspect of human life and experience. Yeah. But, you know, we now know so much more about what trauma does to the body, you know, literally how it affects you know, how people feel and think and almost physically your body reacts. So... How have you figured out a way to process trauma? I asked that and and really, you know... uh, You don't expect an answer. Well, I do expect some kind of an answer because (laughs) I do think that finally people are recognizing what trauma does to a person. The way out of trauma is is a complicated path and it's not ever the the way into trauma is is very quick. It could be a moment. Um, The way out of trauma is rarely as simple. And I think think the emphasis on the individual to get themselves out of trauma is criminal Mm -hmm. because you can't achieve a sense of safety without the community within which you live you know, understanding that you felt unsafe and have an invested interest in you feeling safe. So just understanding that, you can appreciate why there are great numbers of communities who are existing in cyclical trauma because time and time again uh, their governments let them know that they're not safe. Mm -hmm. I have emerged on the other side of my trauma. I took a punt with my show, Nanette, it was a working theory, 
um, that if I shared it honestly and in a controlled environment and I felt like I could control the stand-up comedy arena, you know, 300 people at a time in the same room, Mm -hmm. I was going to force them to sit in my, all my sort of distress in all its all its charm, uh, that being, you know, anger, uh, fear and, you know, vulnerability, if you want to use that old chestnut. And I didn't think it would pay off. I thought by doing that I would reduce my audience but reduce it to a number that felt safer to me. But what actually happened was surprising is my audience got bigger and bigger and something in what I was saying that was cathartic People were having conversations after my show. You know, families would go in and then, you know, I got so many notes from people saying we had conversation that we needed to have. You know, Mm. that made me feel part of a community and that made me feel safer. Not the fact that I got this thing off my chest. It It was not a void. You know, we all knew that these things happened to people all the time, but we just don't talk about it because we get stuck on the trauma loop. And... What happens after is so much more important. We need to show that people can recover from trauma. We need to show that it's a battle. We need help, but it's not a drain we're circling. Terrible things happen to people all the time, and it's not resilience porn because it's a community effort. I will not stand as a person going, I've nailed this. I don't know what it is about what I did that helped me through this. I did so many different things. But one of the main things is I felt connected. You know, that really corresponds with everything that I know or that I've heard about how people can work through their trauma because they find a safe space and they find a community. And you mentioned how families would have conversations after seeing you in your stand-up routine uh, talking about, you know, the disappointments and the attacks and the physical abuse and everything that you experienced. What about your own family and particularly your mom? Because I know you've talked about some of the, you know, quite hurtful things that um, she would say to you when you were younger and when you uh, did come out. How has that relationship evolved? Well, I think it's evolved because I've matured and I can see my mother was in an impossible position. She was trying to raise children in an intolerant place and the active conversation happening around her was one of intolerance. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Like, you know, so she did the best she could. Sometimes it came out sideways and was painful, but ultimately she walked an almost impossible line, but she did it. And she's ashamed of it. She's not proud of it. And I, I sometimes go, no, you're all right. You're fine. But it's not easy for her, for me to be out in the world going, this is our story. Mm -hmm. But there's so much of what she did do that you don't, you're not taught to to look for in the way that we tell stories. Mm. We're always looking for the good guy, the bad guy. You know, in order for me to come out and be full of pride, there has to be a bad guy in my story. And it's just life is so much messier than that. It so is. What I'm hearing you say and what I, I, I you know, you're making me feel is how you came to understand her and gave her the grace 
for her to feel, you know, that you were opening a door that she could then walk through despite how she felt ashamed or whatever had happened in the past. Well, we did that to each other for a while. We just kept mm-hmm. not going through the right doors and it was a long process. And it didn't help that I, I didn't understand that I was autistic. And so you've got someone who's neurotypical trying to communicate with someone who's not. So there's that <laughs> added part of it. But she showed me grace first, you know, not first. I had a conversation with her while well, the gay marriage debate in Australia was was flinging itself around in the mid-teens and... You know, she said something that still to this day staggers me, and I said it in the net, I say it in my memoir, I'll say it again. She said to me, she said, she regrets raising me as if I was straight. Mm. And I just think that that's an outlandishly progressive Mm -hmm. thing to say Um, because it's not just like, it's not a simple apology like, I, you know, sorry I said some things. It's like fundamentally I made some assumptions that damaged you and it is true it's not her fault that's the world we live in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lesson to be learned there there's a lot of lessons to be <laughs> learned there we'll be right back If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. 
and I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, some of what made Nanette so surprising and really so great is the way that you uh, dealt with self-deprecation. And I had never thought about it the way that you were describing it. You actually talk about how self-deprecation from somebody who already exists in the margins is not humility, it's humiliation. You put yourself down in order to not only speak, but in order to seek permission to speak. And you said you just would not do that anymore. That's such a profound realization. And, you know, on a totally different, you know, level, you know, women engage in self-deprecation all the time to be accepted in predominantly male settings, put themselves down and humiliate themselves, I speak from some experience, um, in order for people to think, oh, she's not threatening, she's okay. How did you get to that realization and and how did it affect the jokes you told and how you determined to present yourself? The realization came after my autism diagnosis and Mm. then I began to look at the way that I was telling my own stories. 
it's it's really wrapped up in my autism. And so when I was throughout my career, when I'd go on stage and talk about myself, I was very self-deprecating and it was for that reason. It's like, you know, I cut a slightly strange figure on stage so I had to address that. You know, I tried not to on occasions and nobody would laugh until I addressed mm-hmm. uh, the issue that was me. I couldn't just go out and talk about Pop-Tarts, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was my on-stage persona. But then I was also doing art history lectures on the side, a little bit of a side hustle. Festivals, I'd, uh, you know, go to like the Scottish Art Gallery in Edinburgh and or the National Gallery of Victoria and during the Melbourne Comedy Festival and I'd do comedy art lectures. And when I got on stage and delivered those, I was the captain of the room mm. because I didn't have to explain myself but also I was talking about my passion. In autism circles we call it the special interest but I feel like passion is actually a, a better term. And so I wasn't thinking about myself. I don't care how you say, I've got something to tell. You know, I've got something interesting to say and you'll listen and they did but I couldn't marry the two. I couldn't work out how to be that and until I was diagnosed I, I didn't quite understand that. And so once I did that I sought the self-deprecation for what it was. It was a, an apology but also trying to fit in to other people's expectations of you. And I had enough experience as a comedian to be able to undo that, you know, because I felt more confident than I was looking on stage. And so I began to pull that apart and then I saw it for what it was, which is like, oh, I'm putting myself down. I'm doing the work. I thought I was flipping the script on the homophobia, on the, you know, the fat phobia, on the the woman phobia, all the, the queer phobia, all these phobias. I thought I was flipping the script. But in order to flip the script, first of all, I had to remind people of the script. And that was a damaging thing. And that's what I did in the net. And I said, the script is no good. Um, I'm changing the script. But I also think it's an important tool. I'm not devoid of it now. Like I'm in a different part of my life now. My self-deprecation skills are actually coming in handy. I need to have a bit of humility about me. I have power where I didn't have any. Now people know me. The room changes when I walk into it. I should be self-deprecating. That's interesting. But from the new perspective... Yeah, but I won't be self-deprecating about being queer. I won't be self-deprecating about being uh, autistic. White, all day. I will be self-deprecating all day <laughs> about being white. Not a problem. We are bad people. We, it's, there is proof. <laughs> There's a lot of evidence backing you up. Yeah, we, we wrote it. We kept the notes. <laughs> well, you said that, you know, your life had changed. And one thing is you got married last year. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You married your producer, Jenny. Now, how did you two get together and um, and how did you decide that you were going to take this, uh, you know, big step together? We, we started working together. She was my on-the-ground producer for my off-Broadway run of Nanette. So it was pre-Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked together great. We liked each other. But I'm not great at picking up, you know, <laughs> so, you know. Just do, 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 do. Uh, but when uh, I was about to do a world tour of my new show, Douglas, uh, I was chatting and she told me she was looking for a new thing to do. New, She's incredibly intelligent, incredibly good at what she does, but was looking for something new. And so I rang my manager and said, okay. Because the thing about Jenna is that she knew I needed things before I did. Mm. And as someone on the spectrum, that is just so nice because sometimes I'll be distressed and not know why. And I had someone on my team who's just like, I think I think you might be thirsty. <laughs> um, it's as simple as that. So we began to work together and we were on it. We did a world tour and at some stage the, the penny dropped. Mm-hmm. Then the pandemic happened. <laughs> so we had a world tour and a pandemic. 
in lockdown in Australia. And if, I don't know if you read the news, but it was... It was brutal. Yeah, we, we took it seriously. So we figured from that, you know, that's in sickness and health in rather extremes that we had this. <laughs> but Jenny's one of the only people I've ever met who instantly understood my way of communicating and you know, there wasn't a torment of adjustments. Mm. It was just How easy. nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, oh. it was really lovely. Well, I, I'm going to end by asking you for advice because... Sure, Hilly Billy. <clears throat> Let's I'm go. I'm here for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for you. I ya. need you. I need you, girl. Yeah, okay. sure. So you've talked about dealing with online trolls who, as uh, we both know, just love to come after people like us uh, who don't follow the rules or... Uh, the prescribed uh, roles that are set out for us. So what's your strategy for dealing with online bigotry and hatred? And you got any good comebacks you want to share for the next time I need one? <laughs> Hillary, my advice to you is don't engage because <laughs> what's coming at you is not sanity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, that's for sure. The thing about social media, we have allowed a very narrow demographic of people who are not famous for their interpersonal skills. Like I speak as they're my people. And we have allowed that small demographic of people to build the infrastructure through which we all communicate. That's and it's right. driving us insane as a collective. And so just bear that in mind. Next time you see a troll, you're just like, Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh, Hannah Gatsby, I cannot tell you how much I have loved talking with you in person. So instead of just admiring you from afar and following your personal evolution, uh, <laughs> I actually creepy. got to talk to you. And I just look forward to whatever comes next for you. Thank you very much, Hilly Billy. It's been an absolute treat. I'm so sorry I keep calling you that, but I'm not sorry also. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I guess Hannah did do her physical therapy exercises because she's back on her feet and hitting the road. She'll be performing her new show called Body of Work across the United States this spring and summer. For details on her tour, go to hannahgatsby.com.au. And before I go, on next week's episode of You and Me Both, I'll be answering your questions with a special guest. If you've got a last-minute question for me, you can write to youandmebothpod at gmail.com or you can leave a voice message at 202-780-7515. And who knows, I might just answer your question on the show. You and Me Both is brought to you by iHeartRadio. We're produced by Julie Subrin, Kathleen Russo, and Rob Russo, with help from Huma Abedin, Oscar Flores, Lindsay Hoffman, Brianna Johnson, Nick Merrill, Laura Olin, Lona Valmoro, and Benita Zaman. Our engineer is Zach McNeese, and original music is by Forrest Gray. If you like you and me both, please tell someone else about it. And if you're not already a subscriber, what are you waiting for? You can subscribe to You and Me Both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week when I'll be answering your questions. Don't miss it. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.